0: Well, good morning. It's, it's good to be here with you, brethren, and I trust that the
1: Lord will meet with us and uh, hear a prayer that we prayed that He would come and bless and meet with us and bless the Word to us this morning.
0: I'd like to call your attention to Acts chapter 5, this great book. In the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, as you know, when you're bringing the word, sometimes you wonder well, well, what, should I, what should I bring
1: to, to these people and you're uh, wrestling with that and praying and asking that the Lord will uh, give a word that's uh, timely and we never know often and Uh, But coming here this morning and uh, being in the class on evangelism and hearing the prayer, I believe what what I have uh, from uh, the Word of God today, I trust uh, it's in keeping with that and I pray that God will uh, bless because I want to speak to us today on speaking God's Word, the words of life despite opposition. I want to encourage us in that direction this morning from this passage. So, Acts chapter 5, I'll read from verse 17 to 42, and then we'll pray again and, and, and begin. It's a long passage, but it's, it's a narrative, and God has graciously given us story and narrative in His Word, and, and then He has wired us up so that we do find a story interesting and, and can engage. So,
0: let's focus our attention on this uh, passage. Verse 17. The high priest
1: rose up, and all who were with him, just to give the context in Acts, you remember uh, the disciples, the apostles have been preaching the gospel, and then the verses right before this, there is um, a miracle, and miracles being done by the hand of the apostles, and they're preaching. But then they're being opposed. We read in verse 17. "But The high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple And teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they had this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, Take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up. This is a different Judas. Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So, this is his conclusion. In the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan, I want you to take note of that word, for if this plan or this undertaking, this work is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing or fighting God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not
0: cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Let's pray again. Our Father in heaven, we look to you
1: this morning as we come to this passage. We ask that your Holy Spirit who inspired this word and who was with these apostles witnessing to the truth, and reality of the message concerning Jesus Christ. We pray that the same Blessed Holy Spirit would be here with us this morning. We pray that uh, your word would have that demonstration that he alone can give of its truth in our hearts. Lord, we pray that these words would be to us words of life, the words of this life that the saints would grow in the life that you've given us, the, the inner man, that we would be strengthened in our way. And Lord, we pray also that any who are yet dead in their sins and trespasses, that you would speak life into their souls this morning, that you would speak with that voice that raises the dead and give life. And Lord, also that we would be encouraged to be those who open our mouths as you give occasion to speak a word for Jesus, a word
0: of life. Help us, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look around at our world today
1: and as Christians living in this day and age, and we see uh, some of what's going on around and even the opposition to our a very, a very existence, the very message of the gospel in, in different ways, opposed in, in, in various aspects at work, in government, quarters in the media, everywhere. Discouragement can set in. Fear sets in. and What, what, what shall we do? How can we live? How can we go on? In this world, and 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 how can we even fulfill the mission that we're given to be those who speak the word of God and work in the in the growth of His kingdom in this world? Fears of various kinds perplex us. We we're silent. We're kept quiet when at times when a word, a sane word of truth, would be appropriate and necessary. And so when we consider that situation and, and those difficulties, it's it's good when we have passages in God's word that, that help us in that. And this passage that I'm calling our attention to this morning is one of those, Acts five, seventeen to forty-two. They have the same message, the same gospel. It's right at the beginning. The early church, and they're facing opposition, and there's much instruction for us about what attitude, what, how should we face this and how can we be encouraged to press on boldly and confidently in the Lord.
0: So I'd like us to look at this passage then. And as we come to it, I have a word picture in
1: mind. Think of, perhaps you've been walking down uh, a road or on, the, on the side of the road, the pavement, concrete sidewalk, and you look at it's the concrete seems to have cracked, and it's bulging, and you're wondering what's going on. And then you look on the side, and there's, there's a tree, and then you realize, ah, I see what has happened. There's roots of this tree going down and under, and they're pushing up against the concrete and, and, and breaking the slab. Now, imagine if you could picture just a big, a giant tree that was growing so much and, and, and lifting up that concrete so much, and that even if you would come with tons of weight and try to stop it and hold it down, that this thing would just keep coming up. The life, the life of the tree and the roots pushing up against all resistance and breaking, breaking through. That's the word picture I have as we come to the passage. But the passage itself has a picture for us because as you see, it begins with this miracle in verse 17 twenty one, the passage begins with, with, with a miracle of what's, what's going on. The, the apostles are arrested. They're put in prison by the high priest and, and the Sadducees. And there they are. They're put in prison. They're closed in. And then what happens? An angel appears. Verse 19, during the night, an angel of the Lord comes and opens the prison doors and brings them out. And he has a message for them, a command for them in verse 20 to go and stand in the temple and speak the words of this life. I say that's a picture because often miracles in, in the Bible, yes, they, the Lord did this, but often they, they, there's a message. You can, you can see something in them. And, and, and the story that unfolds in this, in this uh, chapter really is, look, look at what's going on there. These men, commissioned by Christ to speak the word of life, and then they're, they're shut in. They're, they're, they're in prison. They're, they're told, you can't do that. Stay in here. This word of life, we want to hold it in. It's not coming out. And then what does the Lord do? He breaks the bars of the prison, and they come out. And so there's a picture there. And so this passage, then three, three headings as we look at it. An unstoppable plan. the God has an unstoppable plan, number one. And I get uh, this thought of plan from the words of Gamaliel. If I point you to the end of the passage there. Gamaliel's
0: words, he speaks there of a plan in verse 38. He says, if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing.
1: If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. So first heading, an unstoppable plan. the God has an unstoppable plan to extend his kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, through the word. And then secondly, that we'll see that it's an, un- an opposed plan. There is opposition to this plan. Men, sinners will oppose God's plan. But then thirdly and finally, we'll see that it's a prevailing, it's a winning, it's an overcoming plan. It will not be successfully Uh,
0: resisted.
1: So our first heading then God has an unstoppable plan. We see it there in verse 38. And this is one of those times when we find truth in in an unlikely mouth. Gamaliel is not a friend of Christ. He's not a friend of the gospel. And yet he is the one in this there that that gives us wise counsel and true advice. He says if this plan is of God, nothing Will stop it. It's like we have in the Gospel of John when the high priest, uh, without knowing, he says, "It's better that one man should die for the nation than that all should die." And he, John says there, that he prophesied without without
0: knowing what he was saying. Truth from an unlikely mouth. But it's not the only place
1: in this book that we see this plan, God's, God's plan in place. If you go to Acts chapter 2, we have again this language of plan. Acts 2 verse 23, Peter is speaking on the day of Pentecost and he says that Jesus, verse 23, Jesus was delivered
0: up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. This fixed plan that, as one commentator puts it, this fixed plan and perfect
1: foresight of all the steps involved in it. There's a plan in place. Even the lowest point, what would seem like the lowest point, the death of the Son of God, that too, is within the plan. Acts four as well, in verse 28, we see. The disciples, the apostles encouraging themselves with this thought of the plan of God. Look at verse 28. There they, they're praying after another uh, cycle of persecution and they say that what, what Herod and Pilate did, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. The cruelty of Herod, the, the malice of the Gentiles and the people of Israel against Christ and even against His people, they say this all. There is a plan. They're they're looking beyond human appearances back to the plan of God. They understood God's plan and so they were not thrown off. And especially after the resurrection, they, they see it all the more clearly. God's plan. And then, in Acts 1, if we go to the beginning of, of the book, the Lord Jesus, he sets out this plan. What it is that they were to do and, and what's going to happen. In verse 8, which is considered by many the theme verse of, of this book, Christ telling the apostles to wait. In verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Christ, rising from the dead, ascending into heaven. And what's the plan? He chooses these men, gives them his Holy Spirit, go spread this word, and it will spread to the very ends of the earth. There is a plan. There is a plan. And this plan, we see, it involves messengers. It involves messengers, men sent to Speak this word. That's what we have. The message of the angel there. What is it? It's go stand in the temple and speak to the people. All the words of this life. In verse 29, when they say we must obey God rather than men, what are they talking about? It's, it's about speaking. God has said we should
0: speak. The angel said, go speak. We're obeying that. Not what The opposition is saying. And it's human messengers, men, women, flesh,
1: blood. There was an angel sent to them in prison, but the angel is not going out to proclaim the gospel. It's us, weak, fallible human beings that are entrusted with the message. So,
0: Gamaliel, you're right. There's a plan, God has a plan. And He has given also great help in His Holy Spirit. That's another thing we see about this
1: plan. That it's, it's not just human strength and human effort and human eloquence in its own. It's not just these disciples' own wisdom or their own carriage, But it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Look at what they say in verse 23. 32, sorry. he says, we are His witnesses and so also is the Holy Spirit
0: whom God has given to those who obey Him. So this is the plan. The gospel going forward, God's kingdom,
1: through the Word, by the Spirit, through human messengers. I just want to highlight this fact that it's, that it's, it's words. It's, it's speaking. This is really highlighted in this, in this passage. Just... Look at the, the verses that, that bring this out. Verse 20. It, it's to, I want you to notice the importance of speech, and the words in this, in this passage. Verse 20. Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Verse 21. There they are in the temple. What are they doing? In the morning, they taught. They began to teach. Down to verse 25. The report by the officers, these men are there teaching the people. Verse 28, we told you not to teach, but you filled Jerusalem with your teaching,
0: with your doctrine, teaching, words, speaking. Verse 40, they commanded them
1: that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then the closing verse of, of the passage we're told that they did not cease teaching and preaching. It's, this is The plan has to do with the words. That's, that's a key element of God's plan
0: in spreading the gospel and growing His kingdom. So I ask you then, just
1: applying the, this first point here, do you, do you think in terms of God's plan, do you, do you see... Christian life, the Christian faith, your life within, within this big overarching plan? Do you view your, wor- your life in this world with this mindset? How utterly depressing, discouraging this world. If, if we think, like Macbeth, that, it's, it's, that life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing.
0: No, there is a God
1: who has a plan, and as believers, we see ourselves within that and in that, and it's a great privilege. And it's one of those things that should encourage us then as we think about speaking God's word. It's, it's to see but there is. God has a plan. This is, this is His way, and it is, it is of God. It is not of man, and I want to participate in that. I want to... To have a part in this grand story
0: and plan. Well, but does this plan go on smoothly
1: riding along in history and on the stage of this world? No. A second point that it it is an opposed plan. It's opposed. Men, people will oppose God's plan. That's what we see. In the passage, it opens with an arrest. They're arrested. They're put in prison. Their message is being silenced. You, 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 you will not speak of Jesus. We don't want to hear about this. We don't want this going on. We don't want this. It's, it's opposed by men in this world. And there, there are different reasons, several reasons for this opposition. And we see some of them in this, in this passage, there is, there is an offense to the message itself, right? There's an offense in the message itself. If you look at verse 33, they were furious. They were enraged. They plotted to kill them. In verse 39, it speaks of the opposition as attempting to overthrow. It's There's rage, there's desire to overthrow. Why? There's an offense in the message itself. And some of the ways we see that in this passage is the conviction of sin. In verse 28, they say there that part of the reason they don't like this preaching is because you intend, the end of the verse, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. These rulers of the Jews are saying by what you're saying, you're saying that we put this man to death. You're, you, you're saying we're guilty. It's, this message is saying something about us as well. And, and that's something about the Gospel. That it says wonderful things about who God is. It's good news. about God's grace to undeserving sinners and how we can be reconciled to God. But, but it also... It not only says how good God is, it also says how bad man is. That is offensive, isn't it? So That's, that's one reason. But another reason I believe we have here as well, if we think of who, who it is that is in this council, in verse 17, it's the Sadducees. They're, they're part, of, part of this. There's, there's Pharisees like Gamaliel, but there's also Sadducees. If you remember... The Sadducees, they did not believe in some of the supernatural elements of scriptural teaching. Angels, resurrection. They were not happy with that. And so the supernaturalness of the message can sometimes be one of the reasons for the offense. And then, but at the root of it all, there's the hatred of God. In man by nature. Romans eight teaches us that that that, that man by nature's enmity, the mind of of the flesh is enmity with God. Does not submit to the law of God. And where where does the glory of God shine most fully? Is it not in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's there. There's an effulgence in Christ. Everything of God, all of His attributes, we see them there. So clearly his justice his mercy his wrath against sin his all his righteousness it's seen there it's proclaimed there in the gospel and so no wonder then that, that there's something in sinful man that hates the message of Jesus and so the opposition but in the passage also just this this jealousy in verse 17 the word there Uh, Some versions have it as indignation. It it can just mean jealousy as well. A zeal, a burning fury, uh, an envious, contentious rivalry is one definition of the word. And it seems it's because because the people were going to the apostles in the previous verses. and, And these religious leaders did not like that. So jealousy caused that opposition as well. So different reasons, motives. In other places, in Acts... Like in Acts 16, it's because of the effect that the gospel was having on some of the businesses around there. Someone is in in the business of making idols, and the word comes, and some people are changed and transformed, and they're no longer taking their money to those places, and that causes an offense. The business is coming down
0: because of the the effect of the gospel and, and, and righteousness. Changed lifestyles
1: leading to an offense for people who profited from these sinful businesses. You can think of examples in our own day. If, say, for example, we just with the abortion industry, if, if that was to be completely shut down, there, there are some people that will suffer financially. And they will have that as part of the opposition to the message of Christ. But I want you to notice, just as the words and speaking, the word of God is key in the plan, so also the enemy targets that specifically. That becomes the focal point of the opposition. What is it that they are commanded not to do in the passage? We read it several times. It's don't speak. Don't teach
0: in the name of Jesus. Keep your mouth shut. The devil, who is the great adversary, remember the name
1: Satan in the Bible, it means adversary. He is is a great opposer of God and of his ways. He knows that the chief way that God's kingdom is growing and And Christ is being honored. It's it's through the word spreading, through the speaking of God's word, of the message of the gospel. And so he is also attacking that. He's behind the opposition. And he targets that. It's like uh, the king of Syria telling his captains when they're going to fight with Ahab and Jehoshaphat. and and, And the king of Syria tells his captains, you go for the king. Don't fight with small or great. Target just the king of Israel. That's, that's what we want. Just get him. That's and so your position says the speaking. Let's stop that. Let's hold that back. First Thessalonians
0: chapter two, some verses that are instructive in this. First Thessalonians and verse 16 especially.
1: I'll read from 14. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind how verse 16 by hindering us from speaking to the gentiles that they might be
0: saved hindering from speaking that they might be saved do you see this do you see the 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 hindrance especially on on the speaking And so, do not be surprised, brother, sister, Christian
1: friend, do not be surprised by the opposition of, to the gospel. I don't know, do you ever think sometimes, it's, it's a good message, it's telling you how you have life, how, how God can forgive all your sins, how you can come in and, and know the God who made you, and find joy and life in Him, and... Why? Why the opposition? Well, we should not be surprised when we consider these things. There are reasons for the opposition. And so do not be tempted to alter the message, to change it in any way. But see that the gospel has always been and will be opposed by sinful man in this world. And then do you see this opposition especially to speaking. And so I ask you, where, where have you been silenced? Where do you see that in your life? At home? With that unbelieving sibling or child or uncle or parent? How have you been hindered from speaking that they might be saved? Oh, well, may God encourage you uh, through these words today to see and, and to open the mouth. Now, in the context, the silence is external. It's, it's by people in authority. But we can extend it to other areas as well. There, there are things even within us that can hinder our speaking. I think sin in general in our life can shut our mouths. Right? A guilty conscience will shut our mouths from speaking. Think of Psalm, Psalm 51 in Psalm 51, as David there has been, has been living in sin and unconfessed sin, and then when he comes to God to confess his sin, to say, Father, forgive me and cleanse me and have mercy on me, notice in the Psalm several times where he, 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 speaks of, he asks God to open his mouth. In verse 15, he says, Open, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. He says, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach. transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Verse 14, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness forgive me cleanse me that I may speak that I may open my lips and declare your praise and so if this is the case then Satan the great adversary in keeping you quiet he will not only use external force from authorities and he comes not only as the roaring lion and Threats of persecution to frighten, but also as a seducing serpent to draw us into sin, because he knows that is another way that he can keep us silent. But there is a fountain open for sin and uncleanness, believer. We can go to God for forgiveness of sin. There is a way to be restored to good conscience through the pardon and the blood of Jesus
0: so that our mouths can be opened to speak. So then God's plan is opposed. But
1: will this opposition stop God's plan, foil it? Now our third and, and final point, I want you to see it's that it's a prevailing plan. This, this plan of God is a prevailing one. It will overcome all resistance like, like, like that. That image I gave you at the beginning there, that the life will break through. Like those prison doors being opened, God's Word will not be kept in successfully. It will go out. Think of this plan. Think of it. It's, it's centered on the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? He is, he is a central point. Of the plan, if if you take what 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 Gamaliel is saying here in the plan, and go all the way to the beginning, and we see the history of redemption, the promises of a Messiah who would come, it's centered on Christ, and that's 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 the message that they are proclaiming. These apostles,
0: if you look there in those verses in thirty. 32,
1: the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on him on a tree. Him God has exalted to the right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. This is what they're proclaiming. This is the heart of the gospel. And even with that, this raising of Jesus, what do we see there? God's plan will not be held down. They, they kill him and put him in a tomb and seal it. But what happens? Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior, the prison could not keep its prisoner. But also, the tomb could not hold him. He, who is the living word, could not be suppressed and kept in there.
0: No, he busts out of the tomb. The living word did not remain dead.
1: Going to Gamaliel's words again, he gives these examples of people who, in history, who rose up. Uh, this Theodos, who came up claiming to be somebody, and some people followed him. Then he was killed, and his followers scattered. It happened again with Judas. In the days of the census, verse 37, the, the times of census, apparently these were especially um, marked with revolt and strife in, uh, in Judea because during the census, the Roman um, rulers there, they're taking this census, and, and that's for the purposes of taxation. Uh, and so Jews could be riled up about that and, 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 and rise up in rebellion. So we have this man, he rises up in the days of the census, and, and there's, he draws people after him. He dies. All who obeyed him were dispersed. And then there is this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. He comes, and there are people following him. And they're listening. They're hanging on his words. They say, no one spoke like this man. He has the words of eternal life, the words of life. He says, I am the bread of life. He is, he is healing. He's going about doing good and healing. And he's speaking the words of life. And then they kill him. What will happen? Will it be like what happened with Judas and, and Theodos, that his followers will scatter and the movement will pitter out and be no more? No, it is not. He rises from the dead. He sends His Holy Spirit, and He is alive. He has been made Prince and Savior at the right hand of the Father. Verse 31, and He is giving from that place repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Others come, other men come, they die, and it is gone. But not so with Jesus Christ. This plan that centers on Christ will not be held down.
0: There's a song by a Christian hip hop artist. I didn't think
1: I would quote one of these in a sermon, but he has a song on the resurrection that uh, re- this passage reminds me of. When he says that throughout history, there have been many religious leaders, prophets, preachers, scholars, teachers. And when it came to the grave, no one of them could climb out. That's where Jesus stands out. And then he lists different people, like Amalia does here with Theodos and Judas. But he lists Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, Immanuel Kant, Nietzsche, Darwin, Nero, Genghis Khan, Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Che Guevara, Henry VIII, all the, Pharaoh, Cyrus, Darius, Sennacherib, all these people in history that are dead and no more, but not so with Jesus. Yes, Judas, Theodos, they die because that is only of man, but not so with this one. Why can man not finally prevail? Because this is of God. Think of who this God is, think of his attributes, his omnipotent power. Isaiah 14, the Lord of hosts has sworn. As I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? His omnipotent power, his unlimited wisdom that knows the best ends and the best means to those ends. So nothing will thwart his plan. His unfailing love for his people. He will pursue his elect to every corner of this world. The word will come to them. They will be rescued from sin and death and hell. Think of the father's promise to his son. That too is part of the reason this plan shall prevail. Because God is faithful. Listen to what? God says to his son, Psalm 2, Ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the ends of the earth as your possession. Again in the psalm, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This is promises made by the Father to his son that will be fulfilled. Isaiah 49, verse 6, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It is too light a thing, the father says to his son, that you should have just Israel. I'll give you the nations. I'll make you a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. He is giving repentance and forgiveness of sins. It says in verse 31 to Israel. But lest you think it's only Israel, if you go on in, in Acts and in chapter 11, there the apostles are reporting what happened when the gospel was preached to Cornelius, a, a Gentile household. Verse 18 of chapter 11. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted
0: repentance unto life. Jew, Gentile, all. Receiving the
1: words of life. This plan, then, we're saying unto this point that it will prevail for all of these reasons. There's an expression in, in Acts. It's the growth of the word. I don't know if you've noticed that in the book of Acts, several times when this language is used, that the word of God continued to grow, to increase. Acts six verse seven. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts twelve twenty four. But the word of God increased. And multiplied, and in that context, in Acts twelve, it was following the death of one of the apostles. You see, yes, God can open the prison doors and set set them free. His plan can go on even when that's not the exact way that He does it. Even through their suffering, think of Paul in prison. It's not always that the doors are opened, right? He is there in prison. He says, but the word of God is not bound. It's it's growing among the prisoners and and then also out. It's going out through his letters. Acts 19 verse 20, So the word of the Lord continued to increase, to grow and prevail mightily. Do we think like that? About the growth of of the word. As we think of this church, and this neighborhood, and our communities, that this is one way to think about it. It's not just, yes, to grow in numbers, but, but that's, it's, it's the growth of the word, and then the word having the effect on different people, and, and the word is at work in them, as Paul says to the Thessalonians, and the word of God is growing by its being received, and believed, and transforming the growth of the word. This is what this plan is about. The words of life. The words of life. Think of, uh, heard a story from uh, Leonard Ravenhill about a man in England that was converted from a uh, pretty bad lifestyle. And he would go into bars and uh, drinking places and he would have a hat. And he would put the hat down and he would start marching around it, shouting, It's alive! It's alive! And people would gather around to wondering what, what's in the hat. And he'd pick it up and it's the Bible. And he takes it and opens it and speaks to them the words of life. The words of life speaking. The word of God growing. It shall not be held down. There may be seeming losses of battles the whole war he shall win. These words of Gamaliel that if, if it is of God, it cannot uh, fail. John Stott gives a, a caution to that and he says it's, it's not an infallible index to know what is uh, the work of God or, or not. And, and the caution he's giving is, at least in the short run, something can be truly of God and it can seem to have failed at least if you don't see it in, in the big picture what what do you do if you go out on uh, evangelistic uh, outreach and just nothing happens in that do you do you, do you conclude this is not of god nothing has happened no we
0: we see it in the in the bigger in the bigger picture so You see you see
1: this even on a small scale in the heart of the believer, the work of grace in you. Sometimes it's it's just flickering dimly, and yet the flame is there and it's real, and though small it will continue to burn despite all the opposition and resistance. Or in a local church like you, there has been there have been difficulties, trials here. You don't give up. You believe in a God who is able to raise the dead, don't you?
0: and whose plan cannot be successfully resisted. It is not a man-made thing, the gospel. Jesus is alive. He has conquered the worst enemy, and he will prevail in the end. We mentioned at the beginning that part of what can keep us silent is fears.
1: Think of how the very content of this message has something in it to also encourage us, and that strikes at the root of fear. And by that I mean the resurrection of Jesus Christ and and the teaching of Scripture on resurrection. The, The teaching that the greatest enemy has been overcome, death has been defeated. I believe that's calculated to help us if we would really take it to heart that as you stand before whatever opposition, the worst they can do to you is not something that you have reason to fear given the teaching of Scripture. And I, Athanasius, he was a bishop of Alexandria in the third century. He thought about this, about fear and opposition and how the resurrection of Christ
0: is a help against that, I'll just read you a section of, of what, what he says. He says, there is proof of this too for men who, before they believe in Christ, think
1: death horrible and are afraid of it, once they are converted, despise it so completely that they go eagerly to meet it and themselves become witnesses of the Savior's resurrection from it. He's speaking at a time where persecution was heavy. Thanasius himself was banished from his uh, place a few times, and he was seeing death, persecution, this is this is what he is reflecting on. He says, even children hasten thus to die, and not men only, but women. And he says, so weak has death become that even women who used to be taken in, in by it mock at it now as a dead thing robed of all its strength. He says, death has become like a tyrant who has been completely conquered by the legitimate monarch. Bound hand and foot, the passers-by sneer at him, hitting him and abusing him, no longer afraid of his cruelty and rage because of the king who has conquered him. So has death been conquered and branded for what it is by the Savior on the cross. It is bound hand and foot. All who are in Christ, trample it as they pass, and as witnesses to him, to Jesus, deride it, scoffing and saying, O death, where is thy victory? O grave, where is thy sting? He's reflecting on how the resurrection of Jesus gives courage even in the face of such persecution. So, brethren, in closing, I encourage us to to grow in our love for Christ, in our knowledge of God and His ways, this plan, meditating on, thinking on these things, so that we can bank on it when it really matters in our life. To, to grow in our faith in it, in this big overarching plan of God. To see its certainty, its bigness, so that our hearts can be stayed when all around us is
0: opposing and frightful. So speak, speak, and see him use you in the growth of his kingdom. Join
1: in in this plan of God to exalt his son, to bring repentance, forgiveness of sins to dying men, to bring life to dying people also have a word of warning here to any who are on the opposing side. You're listening to this and perhaps you are someone who seeks to silence believers. And also by not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting yourself to him and serving him, you are on the opposing side. Jesus says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scutters. And so a warning for you will you stand against this God, this righteous God who can justly, rightly deal with you and condemn you and cuss you into the place of punishment, into hell forever? What are you doing? Standing against him, rebelling against him and his law. Bow the knee. Bow the knee. Submit. But also I have a word of of wooing of of, of of that you would come because these are words of life and that apart from Christ you don't have life. You're not truly alive. You're not alive to the wonders that your human nature was made to know and and enjoy and experience. You're made in the image of God and you don't know him. For life is to know the Father in Jesus Christ. Everything else outside of that is death. So come. Come and welcome to life indeed. Come, begin to live. Come, welcome to the Father. Come through Jesus Christ. Come, welcome to a life in the Holy Spirit. Come into the adventure that is a Christian life and join in yourself in this plan of serving
0: a great king. Just point you to the closing of the passage. They depart, verse
1: 41. Yes, they've been beaten, they've suffered, verse 41. They depart rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, the, we would see, and, and the Christ would be so precious to us that we would be willing to suffer shame for his name. Verse 42, what do they do? They continue teaching. They did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is a Christ. So we too, let's go on believing in Jesus as a Christ and as we have opportunity to speak his word. And And this is how the book of Acts itself closes. The last verse of the book. The last two verses, there's Paul. We find him in Rome. And what is he doing? Verse 31, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And this word has been going, progressing, growing, and has come to you as a believer and saved you. Well, may God... Help us to see his plan, that it is unstoppable. No matter how much it is opposed, it will prevail in the end. And what victory is coming, what glory awaits when all is done. When we see him as he is and live forever with our God and Father and his
0: Christ in joy forever. Let's pray. Mm-hmm. Our Father, we, we see you in, in your greatness and in your power and in your wisdom,
1: and how you take what is uh, seemingly foolish in, in the eyes of this world, the uh, a man crucified on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem, And that that is the heart of this message, that he rose again from the dead. And Lord, we pray you'd help us to see these things and their bigness in your great plan. And Father, we pray you'd increase our faith to believe you and your word, increase our love. Uh, Father, we pray that the love with which you have loved the Lord Jesus would be in us. And so that we too would press on, believing and speaking this word for your glory and for the good of a dying world. Help us, we pray. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you for his life, his death, for our sinners. We pray you'd bless these words to us now
0: in Jesus' name. Amen.